We welcome you to this episode of Pete Speaks with Grace. Pete is Deacon Pete Raff, the deacon in the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and Grace is Dr. Gina Grace Charles, who is a doctor in English literature and currently working on her doctorate in practical theology. Now, this podcast is intended to entertain and speak about our Catholic faith, so we hope you, our listeners, enjoy your time with us over this next 40 minutes and and take away some good information as you navigate this beautiful world you live in. We have no sponsor at this moment, so if you'd like to become a sponsor, just email Grace or Pete at either Pete or Grace at PeteSpeaksWithGrace.com. You can also visit our website, If you have a prayer intention, we have a form for you to fill out, and we'll gladly pray for your prayer intention on our show. And finally, the best way you can help us is to subscribe on our channel and just post, maybe post a link to our podcast on your Facebook account so others can find us and other Catholics can discover our podcast. All right, so here it is. Here's our our episode on being childlike. Enjoy it. So, Grace, the other day I was at the Atlanta Falcon football game, and they have a new feature for um, entry. It's using artificial intelligence, or at least they say it is. I think it is. How does it work? So the way it works is they have a special line, and currently there's nobody in the line because nobody has signed up for it. And you walk up to the machine. It's a camera. It sees your face. Pete Raff shows up on the screen. Gate opens, and I walk through with my guests. No tickets? No tickets. My face is my ticket. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought for this podcast, we might talk a little bit about artificial intelligence from a spiritual perspective. I want to call it spiritual intelligence. That's beautiful. It is. (laughs) So what that means is when we go to heaven, this is what I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. When I walk up to the the heavenly gates and there's Jesus and he sees my face, Mm -hmm. will he know me and will he let me in? Will the gate open? He's the gate. He is the gate. That's what got me thinking about this because he says, enter through the narrow gate. I am the gate. I am the way. Mm-hmm. So I thought today we would speak about spiritual intelligence and, and, and is there any biblical reference? How does Jesus know us? I think, you know, the Gospel of Matthew, especially the Sermon on the Mount, of course, the Beatitudes, but then very specifically he would say, there is this instance where he would say, you were prophesying in my name, you were doing all these miracles in my name, but I do not know you, right? So, right. So that's like, I didn't recognize you. When you came, I didn't recognize your face at all. So that spiritual intelligence was very low on that person. So what does it actually mean to have spiritual intelligence so that Jesus will know you when you reach, reach that Okay. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If I was with um, Jesus and he said that, do I know you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, well, Jesus, tell me, how do I know you? How am I supposed to? Well, first of all, I would, if I was an apostle, I would say, of course I know you. Right? I know how <laughs> Peter would be. Peter would always be, Lord, Lord, of course I know you. You know, you know me. You know me. Right. And... Um, 
So, you know, like some years ago, many years ago, in fact, I was like once when I read this passage, right, uh, you you are doing all these things in my name, but I, I, I don't know you. That's what I would say. When I read that, I was like, it was like, you know, it pierced into my heart. Like I am a practicing Catholic, daily communicant. I'm doing all these things for Jesus, right, and for all these years. And then will he really say that I know you? That was a question for me, and I was analyzing how am I actually performing, right? This performance, you're doing things in the name of Jesus, but does that actually count? Or what actually counts is something else. I was actually looking into that. So that's what you're asking tonight, right? That is what I'm asking tonight. So one thing I, I noticed that was, this is what Jesus told at that time. You did all these things in my name, but for me to say that I know you, you should be observing what I said. Right, like your life should be like my life, right? So that should be like fulfilling everything that Beatitudes would say. But also, I was thinking about certain very, very pointed references that Jesus would say, for example, like as you were saying, enter through the narrow gate. So people who enter through the narrow gate ought to be people who are recognized by Jesus on that day, right? Yeah, I was thinking it was, it had to do with the sheep. So, so the sheep would enter through the narrow gate based on the voice of the shepherd. They knew the voice. Let me think, see if I've got this right. The sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. So the shepherd's calling their sheep in. It's kind of like my dog. I have a dog, Golden Doodle. His name is Dax. I call him Doodle, right, <laughs> Daxy. And he goes outside, and uh, let's say my wife comes home. He knows her voice. He actually knows the sound of her car. Right. So she pulls in the driveway in the front of the house. He's in the back of the house. He runs in the door, runs up the stairs, and goes to the garage door and just waits for her to enter, wagging his tail like crazy. So he knows her, right? So when it comes to the, to the, the gate to heaven. Shepherd. The shepherd, it's sheep knowing shepherd's voice. The sheep, the sh- the sheep are being called by the shepherd, and they go through the gate. If that those sheep that don't belong to that shepherd and don't know his voice stay in the field. So, how would you become that sheep, right? So, one of the ways I think Jesus would say is become like a child. Become like a child. If you do not repent and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What does he actually means when he say? become like a child? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the very simple way, it's just to trust in him like a a child would. A child, when he or she is held by a parent, she would just depend on the parents. There is no logical, okay, is, is this person trustworthy or anything like that? Just abandoning the baby would do that, abandon totally into the hands of her parents. So something like that. So how much do I really abandon my life into the hands of God the Father, that he is in charge of my life? So whatever age group we belong to, we can just rely on him like that, right? So that's the basic thing, I guess, first step. But that's really hard in today's world because we're not rewarded to be childlike. In life, we have to be masculine or we have to be... Uh, we're always adults. We have to be mature. We uh, have relationships where we are not trustworthy of one another. So we don't tell them everything. Marriages, 
So childlike, if I think of a child, a child would run up to another child with excitement about, I don't know, the most mundane thing. You know, I remember when my son, Eric, when he was a young child, he would he would play a game. We would play a game against one another. So we were competitors. And if I would win, he would go, all right, dad. All right, way to go. You won. Right? That's yeah, that's childlike. childlike. That's childlike. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So if, if Jesus is requiring us to be childlike, what is he asking us to do? I think the first is to trust him totally, abandoning because he's in charge. It's very easy, in fact, very easy. Just let go. It's, it's the easiest way to live. But, you know, in Bible, again, we'll read, God has created us all very simple, but we have complicated things, right? If we, if I, so this is my simple logic about that. If I try to lead the life, my life in my own terms, it is only up to my level, right? Because I'm doing it. Right. But if my father is doing it, it's going to be up to his level. It's just not just better, it's going to be the very best possible. Then why should I choose for this lesser version of my own doing? Why don't I just allow him to do so I will have the best in my life? That's my simple logic about that. I think it's pretty easy. And it's just letting go, looking into his face and trusting him. And then it's super easy. You don't you don't stop anyway. Nothing can stop you, in fact. Nobody can harm you. Nothing, no outside thing can really disturb you because your life is in his hands, right? So spiritual intelligence begins with trust, trust in God. I think trust would be the first, first ingredient, definitely. Uh, being childlike, right? Right. So being childlike should go hand in hand with trusting God. That's being child, his child, he's in charge. How does Jesus recognize us? And we're trying to portray this childlike trait. I was trying to think of a character in the Bible, in the New Testament. Somebody lived with Jesus that was childlike. So I was thinking Mary, Mary and Martha, Uh right? Yeah. And the reason I thought Mary and Martha was because Mary and Martha were, I'm, I'm assuming, very tight with one another. So they're probably thinking, hey, Jesus and the disciples, when Jesus traveled, he didn't travel by himself. He traveled with the apostles. So here you got 12 people, you got Jesus, you have disciples, all their followers. So you got all these people coming over to the house. Martha is, um, you know, I don't know what she's doing. She's getting getting the water boiling, getting dinner ready. She's um, She's thinking... Uh, Jesus needs more pillows. Where are these people going to sleep, right? So she's all worried about how are we going to get through this visit? And Mary just goes to Jesus and says, I just want to be with you. Yeah. You know, can I, just, can I just stay with you, Jesus? And Jesus says, yeah, I want you to be with me. Yeah, so being childlike is almost like, she didn't even think of going going to boil water and arrange things. He just is so she's so immersed in Jesus that that's what a child does. If she if she or he is attracted to something, they're just for it totally, right? Forgetting everything else. So she she forgot everything else because she saw Jesus. The other character I was thinking about was um, 
one of our doctors of the church, the little flower, and I know you know much more about her than I do. <laughs> Saint Teresa of right? Right. So yeah. So she, Saint Teresa, uh-huh. what what can we say about Saint Teresa, yes. the little flower? So you know the name the name it's a little right. I mean all all of her work, all of her writings actually you know focuses on this childlikeness. She should be the proponent of childlikeness to the world. That's that's why I think, you know, made spirituality so simple and approachable to everyone. Anyone can become a saint by being so little, right? Being just doing our mundane things, but doing it by loving God. So this is what I think about her approach to childlikeness. So in her autobiography, she, she says like this, I never want to grow up. You know why? If I grow up, my dad, that's Abba Father, will abandon me to myself. So I have to work on my life by myself, and that won't be that good. So I want Father, my Father, to be in charge of everything to me, so I don't want to grow up. So he will hold me. He will do everything for me. And that's so beautiful, right? So that meant she had a total reliance on God. Yes. So what what does that mean in practical terms? She prayed... Was she a mystic? She heard God's voice in her life? What what does that actually mean? So, you know, centers of Lysia is not a mystic in technical mystical term that we would say. She, she didn't have many spiritual, you know, experiences. Most part of her life, she was going through the spiritual dryness, the dark night of the soul, most probably. But that's why. Despite that, she, she just believed in Abba Father. She just trusted in God so much that it doesn't matter I cannot see you. It doesn't matter I can feel anything. I know you are good. This is, this is one term that we read in her work constantly, good God. She would always say, good God, good God. So a God who would just abandon her. She's sick. She's not well, right? She's having TB. She's going to die at the age of 24. And she's bedridden for quite some time. Every time she's just saying, good God. And, you know, something about her trust, there was a point in her life when it was uncertain whether she will be healed and she will go to mission in China. Mm -hmm. Everything was ready for that, right? This is like life and death. What would she prepare for? She should prepare to become a missionary in China or she should prepare to die at the age of 24. Right. She was totally abandoned into the hands of God. She didn't care. She didn't say, oh, I want to die and go to God. She didn't say, oh, I want to live and go to mission. Nothing. So why was she considered a saint? Because of the simplicity of her of her life. When she was living, nobody in her convent thought she, would, she was a great person or anything. So, you know, in the Carmelite order, they will have a write-up about the person, the sister who's passed away, circulated among the community, there was nothing much to say about her because there was, not, there was nothing very significant or extraordinary about her. But when she passed, this autobiography was published by her her own sisters who knew her from childhood, right? That was one thing. And the book became a great success because when her own sister, who was, uh, I mean, superior at that time, she read through this, she was surprised at the depth of spirituality in it. And we could almost say that, you know, she never sinned. Her confessor would say, you've never committed a mortal sin in your life. And she herself would say, from the age of three, I have never denied anything to God. Hmm. So that's like a very bold statement. 
Right. But it's, I mean, for me personally, it's a simple approach to spiritual life. It's not complicated. It's not, oh, you fast and you do all this to please God. No. God is already placed. Just live that placed life in your life. Yeah. So Jesus isn't looking for anything complex. He's looking for simplicity. He's looking really for love. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I, um, I, I do homilies during funerals quite often. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I mention is, um, especially, you know, the, the fact of the matter is we have a lot of people that attend a funeral who are not attending mass. So it's an opportunity to evangelize to those who are attending the funeral of a loved one. And they're doing that funeral in the Catholic church because that loved one loved the church so much, not so much that they love the church. Right. So a lot of times I have a little section in there that I always reference. It just says, God does, Jesus does not, it's not complex. He's not, he, he doesn't want us to have to follow all kinds of rules. You know, he asks us to do really two things, love God and love our neighbor, which sounds really simple, but when you start practicing it, it can be very complex. But, um, but the point I'm trying to make to them is uh, try God again. The funeral for your loved one is because that person, they love God, they love their church, they love their family. They're here talk, saying all these good things about this person, all their great traits, how this person was full of faith, especially elderly people, how they had all the wisdom. They were matriarchs or um, the center of the family. There's a lot of sadness but then look at their life, and, and in most cases, that person was very simple. You know, grandma, or, especially if it was grandma or grandpa, they were usually not that complex. And, um, you know, I, I always find it a beautiful thing to uh, hear somebody after a funeral say they think they're going to try, um, try to improve their faith. That's good. Yeah. Because God is not looking for miracle workers or demon chasers, but <laughs> simple, loving people, loving hearts. Simple, loving hearts. That's right. That's right. Yeah. When I say about being childlike, I heard this said by a bishop in a homily, and it just stayed with me. Mm-hmm. He was saying, uh, a child, a baby, is the weakest person in a house, helpless, depending on others for every single thing of its life. But the baby is also the center of the family. It determines what time the parents should wake up, what time they should sleep, what time they should go in, go out, come in, everything. The whole household revolves around a child. And then he was saying, it's just like that in the kingdom of God. If you are like a baby, if you're childlike and dependent on God, the whole of heaven is going to revolve around you. You, you have the power over the heart of God. So you determine you are so abandoning your life into his hands and the whole heaven is working around your welfare. And I liked it. Yeah, so the child, I have a grandson, and during his first six months, his world was his parent. There was no other world other than that. 
And if we're childlike, I mean, um, I mean, as childlike as a baby, our world should be God. Right. So, so everything we do should have a focus on this gate, mm-hmm. knowing Jesus, being with Jesus. In fact, through our baptism, we we commit to. I don't say I don't want to say rededicate our lives, but our human self dies. And we, we become Christ-like in our lives. And everything, if we're Christ-centered, we should be thinking like a child. So, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know if this even applies here. I was thinking about that, this little story about um, when I was a child and everything revolved around my mother. Mm-hmm. And I was with my mother in a store. It was a Sears store many years ago. So Sears, Sears, I don't even know if Sears is open anymore. Uh-huh. It, might, it might not even be open anymore. It might have been destroyed by Amazon. Sears um, had all kinds of racks of clothing. And as a, as a small child, it was, uh, each, it, it was above my head. So I would have fun running through the clothes. I could run through pants and I'd run <laughs> kind of like a, a car going through a car wash. And I'm running through these things. I'm winding through these racks of clothes. And then I look around and it's like, oh, no, my mom is not here. Oh. <laughs> so what did I do? I started crying. crying. Little Peter's crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. I, I start crying. And it was only a few seconds, probably. And my mom, my mom was probably like, "What is your problem? What are you doing?" And uh, um, she just uh, pulled me over and gave me a hug and said, "Everything's okay. I'm here with you. Stay with me. Don't leave me." That's exactly what childlikeness is, is because the moment you are not in the presence of God, you can sense it. So if you are not childlike, you're not going to know that you have lost the presence of your father. You are just by yourself. You are driving, you're steering your car by yourself, right? But when you're childlike, the moment you know he's not there, even if it's a sin or anything, you will sense it. You will sense it absent so much because your life is dependent on him. Just like you knew that, oh, mom is not here, and then you're lost, right? right. And that just brings God right into you because you, you are his focus. And that brings back the connection so easy. Right. right. So when we are grown up, you know, when we are not childlike, we don't we don't miss the presence. We don't identify he's not there first, second, and we won't ask for him. We won't cry out for him and he won't be able to reach us. Yeah. Being childlike, even if we sin, you get back to him as soon as possible. Right. That is right. Yeah. And we can go all into reconciliation and everything else, but um, it's living our life in with the absence of of God is not being childlike. So to be childlike is to live our life knowing that God is there for us and to cry out for him when we need him. All right. So we were going to talk about some practical tips. How to be childlike? How to be childlike. Yeah. I mean, this is hard. I think this is really hard. (laughs) It's not easy, easy thinking. So the first one I was thinking about was um, we have to be in the presence of God, Mm -hmm. right? So if we're childlike, we're dependent on, we're dependent on our parents. I mean, really 100%, but we're also dependent on 
uh, teachers when we get into school. When we're in work, we're dependent on the people we work with. So in life, we have to be dependent, to be childlike, we're dependent on Jesus. We're dependent on God. And to do this, we have to remain, we have to be in his presence. I mean, we can't be going, uh, you know, I don't want to, don't want to preach this too much, but, but sometimes I I say we go, I go Sunday to Sunday. Okay. So I go to mass on Sunday. I go to mass on the next Sunday. And in between, I did nothing, nothing. I went to work. I did my stuff at home. I didn't pray. There was no God. That means you are not connected with your father. So you're abandoned. You're an abandoned baby. So how will a baby survive if there is no father or mother to carry, you know, to hold, to feed, to do anything? It's totally depending on parents' means. Totally in communion with them, totally in touch with them, totally being held by them, right? Right. And what so, child would go an entire week without, without seeing their parents, right. without talking to their parents? Right. That just means you are not eating, you are not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're not eating, you're not, um, you know, you're, you're not changing your clothes, right. not, there's no bath time, <laughs> you know, all, all the things you do as a child are not being done, so... Um, so that's practical tip one. That means constantly in touch with God. So how would that be? Like one is like you rise in the morning and then offer your life to God. God, I'm your child. My life is in your hands. Take me and use me as you like. I trust in you. Maybe just a few sentences like that to God. Right. Maybe just five minutes. Mm-hmm. So when we get up in the morning, you know, I, I always have the intent of praying in the morning. So if I get up early and I go downstairs, mm-hmm. I get my cup of coffee, uh-huh. it's usually quiet and I find some time to pray. And I use a, um, you know, I, I use a devotional. I usually do the, um, the hours. Divine office? Yes, the divine office. But b- people can use any devotional. Right. But if I get up and let's say I've got to be at work at 9 o'clock, I wake up at 8 o'clock, I've got to deal with Atlanta traffic, so I got to get up, make a cup of coffee, take a quick shower, get dressed, see y'all later, get in the car, deal with traffic, get to the office. No prayer, right? Yeah. In the car, I'm listening to sports radio. I'm not even listening to a spiritual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so how unfed I am. How unfed I am. So the second practical tip I thought would be um, about about sin. So when I'm a child and I do something wrong, I I immediately want to be back in the good graces with my parents. It's also like what you were saying about the Sears store. When you when you missed your mom, you just have to get back to her. Because your life is dependent on her. Right. So I'm in the Sears store, and for some reason, I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm here all alone. You know, I mean, think about how childlike that thought is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in the Sears store forever all by myself. <laughs> My mom is gone. Right. She left without me. She went home. So the basic instant at that moment is get back to my mom. So when a, when a childlike person sins, the basic instinct 
would be to get back to my God. No lingering in sin anymore. The moment I realize I'm away from my God, let me just return. So if it's today, I have to do it today. So maybe go to confession, but but uh, before everything else, get back to God at that very moment. Lord, I've sinned. I am totally dependent on, on you. Let me come back to you. Let's be one again, right? So that's practical tip two. Don't linger in your sin thinking that God will judge me. I am bad. Just run back to him the moment you notice that something is wrong. That's right. That's a great tip. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the third tip? Third tip, Pete, this is what I think, you know. You know, all of our listeners and viewers here, there should be one area in your life that you feel that you feel that God wants you to do. You are being called to do that. You feel the urge to do that, but then you feel, maybe I cannot do that. Maybe I'm not up to it. Maybe it's somebody else's or, or anything, you know. You feel, I'm being called because God wants me to, and I'm not confident enough to do that. Probably this is the time. This is a third tip. Go for it. When God puts something in your heart, he will give you the grace. And this is the best way to practice being childlike. (laughs) I have never heard you say go for it. Just go for it. I love that. That's very childlike right there. (laughs) All right. I think those are great tips. Mm -hmm. We have a couple emails. Yes. Uh, Grace at PeteSpeaksWithGrace.com or Pete at PeteSpeaksWithGrace.com. It's kind of a tongue twister. So Grace received an email. Just uh, read it off. This is the question. Pete and Grace, you actually share all these wonderful things. I was just wondering, what is one book that has influenced you, or what was the aspect of a book that influenced you these days? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I'm laughing is I don't read very much. (laughs) Let me think about this. uh, It's very rare for me to read a book cover to cover. I hate to admit that. So let's start with you. What's a book? Do you have one in mind? I have one in mind. Okay. And that's The Rescued book by Father John Ricardo. I mean, that's beautiful. And what touched me from that book is, you know, in it he, he would say about an ambush predator. That's like creatures who hide, camouflage in the background, and then attack you. They're hidden and subtle, so you don't know the enemy's there, right? So most of the time, people would think Satan is that ambush predator trying to, you know, destroy us. But here, Father John Ricardo beautifully twists it and says how Jesus is actually the ambush predator. He came hidden as a, you know, humble human being walking through his life, And ultimately dying on the cross, making the enemy believe that, oh, he's done with. But then, you know, uh, brutally destroying death, sin, and Satan forever. That's what Jesus did. He's an ambush predator. He was hidden. The glory was hidden. And enemy didn't know that what he was going for, right? So for me, I thought, okay, I'm also an ambush predator. I should also be hidden, humble, and subtle but always targeting at enemies, uh, you know, stronghold so that we can break it. So that is called The Rescue? The book is titled The Rescued. The Rescued, we are the rescued, we are the rescued by, uh, by Father Jesus. John Ricardo. Yes. And you gave me that book. 
I did. And it's been apparently, a little while. And apparently, I said, no, you haven't touched it yet. <laughs> and I said I would read that book, and I still plan to read it at some point. That's a beautiful book, Pete. All right. So the the um, in my email, mm-hmm. I received um, Pete and Grace. When you practice a sacrament like reconciliation. Uh-huh. How often do you go? Beautiful question. I think that's a great question. Um, And it feeds into this childlike behavior. Because if we, you know, if if we have to go, and the church says we should go once a year. So what do people, you know, what do people really do? And I used to do this in the past. I've had many years where I went once a year. I went at a uh, penance service usually during Lent. But my... I'm happiest in my life when I go as needed. So I don't go on a regular basis. I will rarely go six weeks without reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But And th- there are times, believe it or not, where I might go one weekend. I, usually I don't go the next. I like to, um, I like to feel the mercy of, mm-hmm. of God. In my life, so I don't go on a a regular basis, like weekly or on a on a schedule. But I may go in a couple weeks and say, okay, my last confession was three weeks. My last confession was um, six weeks. Rarely does it go past two months, and I'll typically put it in my calendar so that when I do tell the priest how long it's been, it's fairly accurate. And um, I feel like that is more childlike. Not that I'm intending to be childlike in that scenario, but we're talking about childlike. Yeah, so for me, I go almost every week, but most particularly, even if it's every week, if there is a need, I'll I'll try to go as soon as possible because I'm a daily communicant. I don't want the sin to linger in me when I receive Jesus. But of course, there are times I would tell Lord Jesus, especially during Mass, I would say, when we say I confess, I believe the sin is being washed away. But for me, this is like, I can't go much (laughs) without confession. So I look for a couple things when it comes to a good confession. One, I look for a short line. Sorry? A short line. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that, I, I do not like to wait in line. So if the line is long, if there's 20 people waiting for confession, Uh I don't go that day. (laughs) And two, I am still hesitant to go to the priest that I know. Mm -hmm. And I know that's... um, I I, I realize that um, some people... I'd be interested to get some emails on this. Some people are probably perfectly comfortable with any priest. Others want to go to a priest that maybe they've, um, they don't run into on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So in my particular case, being a deacon, I don't necessarily go to confession to my pastor. Right. I'll go to confession to, my, to the vicar, mm-hmm. but not, um, not to the pastor. And I don't know why that is, because they, they hear your confession as Jesus. Yeah, but also I, I've... I've I feel comfortable with some priests, like whether I know or not. Some of them are very, very Christ-like. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't be looking for that, but it just <laughs> happens yeah. like that. Yeah, we have our favorite priests. 
I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But you know what? The last confession I had, oh, that was, I will never forget that because the priest, you know, he gave me the penance and he said, let's pray that together. And he prayed that penance prayer with me. And that, that, that was so beautiful. Actually, later on, when I had something like similar uh, occasion for sin came up, I, I was thinking, oh, this priest prayed with me. So, no, I can't. Something like that, you know, because there is a, like he was advocating for me. Right. Praying penance with me. That was so beautiful. I would love that. Sometimes... Sometimes I forget the penance from the time I leave the confessional to the time I get into the church. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. I'm just joking. I'm just joking, Grace. <laughs> All right. So we have one more thing to do today, and that's um, just pray for for the intentions of our of our audience. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if we have any specific intentions today, so. You know, I'll, I'll let you pray, but let me um, let me maybe just speak to some of the th- worries that we have in the world today, especially when it comes to being childlike. Um, I think today we want to pray for the intentions of anybody who's anybody who is sick. So, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they've been ill for a long time and they suffer, we want we want to raise you up to um, to Jesus so that Jesus will know you and know your sufferings and be able to provide you with comfort. We also want to pray for the intentions of um, those, those who have loved ones who have died, uh, those who have loved ones who are in heaven. And we, um, and even those who have loved ones and they're afraid that they're in purgatory. We, want, we, we just want to pray for all of our loved ones, who, um, all of the souls out there who, who need our prayers and to um, ask God to be with them and, and provide comfort to families of these souls. And then lastly, just for the um, childlike reliance that we need in, um, in our daily lives at work, at school, at home, um, help us to realize, just like our last podcast, that to be humble in this life means to be trusting in Christ. And I think if, if there's any, any, anything that, um, any similarity between our last podcast and this podcast, it has to do with that connectivity with Jesus, knowing Jesus, trusting Jesus, and relying on him in our lives. So I'll let, um, I'll let Grace take it from here and we'll, um, let us pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for these beautiful moments of your presence. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who's listening to this and watching this. We pray that you touch our lives, Lord. We receive from you this grace of being childlike. We receive from you the grace to depend on you totally, trust you, without any doubt, abandoning our lives in your hands because you are our loving Father. You are in charge of our lives. Abba, we trust you totally. And we accept everything that your will plans to do in our lives without question because you love us and you are good. And we surrender 
everything in our lives circumstances and incidents that might be hurtful and painful for us we offer it all to you because you can make everything good and we trust in you for that above we also pray that today as we listen to this podcast we'll be able to be in constant touch with you every morning every single day at least once in a while throughout the day that we think of you and say that above we trust in you and we also seek your help a holy spirit that we will have this grace of repentance the moment we realize that we have we have sinned we'll be able to fly back to god's heart loving and forgiving heart of a god and we ask blessed mother for intercession to help us to be childlike and grow in being childlike more every single day in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen amen all right well we want to um wish everybody a great week and we look forward to the next um podcast i think we have a great topic in mind yes god bless you yeah god bless you